Amen. Open your Bibles with me to Proverbs. Let's go to Proverbs, right in the Old Testament, middle of your Bible, the Psalms. Go to the very next book and you'll find Proverbs. Let's go to Proverbs 10. Let's start there. And so on the screen, you're going to see the title of this morning's sermon, This is How We Talk. And you're going to see Proverbs 15. So we'll launch out of Proverbs 15 here in just a moment. But I want to show you a pattern We left off last Sunday at Proverbs chapter 10, a sermon titled, This is How We Love. And so this sermon series has been titled, the whole family series has been titled, This is How We Family. And so each Sunday, we've been looking at how the scripture teaches us, this is how we, well, this Sunday, this is how we talk. And so in Proverbs chapter 10, I want us to start looking at a pattern that we're going to see that culminates then in Proverbs chapter 15. All right, here we go. Proverbs chapter 10. Let's start reading in verse 19. Proverbs 10, verse 19. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Same chapter, look at 31, 32. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the the perverse tongue will be cut off. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. Look at 11, verse 12, chapter 11, verse 12. Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. Look at 12, 18, chapter 12, verse 18. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Chapter 13, verse 3. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Chapter 14, verse 3. By the mouth of a fool comes a rod for his back. But the lips of the wise will preserve them. And friends, I want you to know, I'm only taking a sampling of each chapter. It culminates in chapter 15, where of the 33 verses of chapter 15, eight of them, one-fourth of all the verses of Proverbs 15 deals with the mouth. And so we're going to look at the first four verses of Proverbs chapter 15. The very first verse is going to be one that's very familiar to you. As a matter of fact, this someone this week, I was talking with them about what the sermon's going to be about, and they said, my mother said that to me all the time. Here we go. Proverbs 15, verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Folks, I, I cannot begin to tell you how much I need to hear this. Whenever in 1 Timothy we read Paul say, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost, I want you to know that has got to be a part of the gospel for every single one of us. And, and please know, I, 
I hear Paul when he writes that. Paul, I'm, I'm, I'm the chief sinner. There's so many times in my life that I've used my tongue in a way that was not of God. I can remember my dad saying to me over and over again when I was a kid, son, someday your tongue's going to get you in trouble. Your mouth's going to get you in trouble. And it did. I can remember my dad saying, son, I think your calling must be a lawyer because you'd argue with a post. And I would. I remember my dad saying to me one time, son, you don't always have to get in the last word. And I said, you don't? Okay, that... See, that, that just wasn't smart. And so I need to hear this. We all need to hear it. We need to hear how we're supposed to talk. Because that's a huge part of our life. And so let's ask the Father for help right now. Before we ever get into the sermon, let's ask him to help us. Because I need help. We all need the understanding of the Lord. We all need the light of the Holy Spirit of God to shine on our heart, our life, and reveal the parts that we're holding back from him. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we need you. I pray, Lord, that you would bless this preaching. Lord, take me in my weakness and show yourself strong. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would reveal what I'm holding back from you, areas of sin in my heart. Lord, I pray that today there would be a commitment in my life and so many that, Lord, we would change, that, Lord, we would put a guard over our mouth that could only be done by God. Lord, I pray for someone today to be saved. I pray that this verse of Scripture would point someone to Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would add to us and call out from us And Father, most of all, we pray for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, may your will be done in our heart right now. And we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, I want us to take chapter 15, verse 1. Just take the first half of that verse, and let's talk about it for just a moment. A soft answer turns away wrath, which, here's what that means. That means the goal of every believer is a soft answer. This should be the goal of every believer. A soft answer turns away wrath. This should be the goal of every believer because it's the reality in which we live. Listen to the verse again. A soft answer turns away wrath. Well, I want you to know that the word there is the same word that is used speaking of the anger, the wrath of God. And as a believer, I'm no longer under the wrath of God. The reality in which I live, I have been delivered from the wrath of God. Romans chapter 5 verse 9. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, how much more then shall we be saved from the wrath of God? 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 10. Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. I have been delivered from wrath. Why would I want to do anything in my life that does not reflect the reality in which I live? But you see, no longer am I under wrath, but not only that, I'm at peace with God. 
Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why would I want to speak in a way that does not reflect the reality in which I live? We're no longer under wrath. I'm at peace with God. But not only that, I'm covered by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Why would I want to do something that does not speak to that righteousness? James chapter 1. Know this, brothers, that we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of men does not produce the righteousness of God. I'm no longer under wrath. I'm at peace with God. I have his righteousness. But let me give you one more. I'm also reconciled with God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, we have been reconciled with God through Jesus Christ, and he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Friends, what that means is the reality in which we live, we're not under wrath. We're at peace with God. We're covered in his righteousness, and we have been reconciled. I need to communicate in a way that reflects the reality in which I live. But instead, so many times, I want to say back to that person something that's just going to stoke the fire, that's just going to bring out more wrath and more anger. I want to say something that disrupts the fellowship that we have with one another. Well, you're mad at me. Okay, well, here's what I'll do. I just won't speak to you anymore. And and I'm not going after peace. And yet, I know that that's the reality in which I live. And so, therefore, the goal of every word that comes out of my mouth, that it should be a reflection that I'm no longer under wrath. I'm at peace with God. I'm covered in his righteousness, and I'm reconciled with him. Therefore, I want that to be the message of my life. Isn't it been interesting listening to the governors from around the nation on on TV as as they talk? As a matter of fact, you don't even have to be looking at the screen, and a governor will start talking. You'll say, that's the governor of Georgia right there. I can tell you that. If you notice, whenever they start talking, uh, we're going to have face Matthew in Georgia. We say, well, guys, the the governor from uh, Alabama, Kay Ivey, female. Boy, you hear her talking. She's from Alabama. Folks, whenever we talk, do people get a sense of where we're from? And I'm not talking about Oklahoma. I mean, they know that. I'm talking about, do they know that my citizenship is in heaven? Can people tell where I'm from by the way I talk? And so here's the second point I want you to see. The Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath, which means a soft answer is the strongest response. Isn't that one of the most beautiful things about Scripture? Remember, in everything that Christ did, Christ came to turn everything upside down. And yet we think, well, Okay, that's one of those verses that that may be true for the Bible, but it's really not true in real life. I mean, in real life, if someone says something mean to you, boy, you just better pull back the fist because here it comes. I mean, if you want to get mad, I can get mad right along with you. And we know that really that's how real life works. And if you'll just out mad them, then they won't be mad anymore. Does anyone find that to be the reality of life? But instead, 
The Bible says a soft answer is the strongest response. In the Hebrew, the word that we're translating soft means gentle. It means tender. And so I want you to picture then an angry mob that's advancing forward. And we're trying to think, okay, what, what, my goodness, what is going to be something so powerful that it can turn back an angry mob? And the scripture says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. We see it reflected throughout the Bible. We have example after example. There's a story about Abigail and a great story. If, if you've Googled this afternoon, Abigail and David, uh, Nabal was, a, was just a really lousy guy. And I, I'm not, that's not me saying, that's the Bible saying that. It just, he was an awful person. And uh, David sent his men to go talk to Nabal's men, David the king, and, and said, hey, we're coming in peace, and, and we'd love for us all to work together. Can, can we share some food? And Nabal's men went to Nabal and said, hey, David came, comes in peace, and he's, he's wanting to work with us. And Nabal said, David who? David who? Who's the son of Jesse? Well, so David's men went back to David and said, well, here's what Nabal said. And David said to his men, strap on your sword. We're going to go exact our pound of flesh. And the Bible says Nabal's wife, Abigail, found out what was getting ready to happen to her husband. And she goes out and meets David. And she said, let the guilt of my husband be on me. Please forgive. Please forgive, David. Don't do this. And it turned back David and all his men. A gentle answer turned away wrath. You can look at Aaron with Moses, Jacob with Esau. Jacob, a gentle answer, turned back Esau's wrath. Over and over again in Scripture, we see it lived out that a gentle answer turned away wrath. But folks, I want you to know, we see it fully and completely in the person of Jesus Christ. Did you know that in the Bible, the Bible equates gentleness with strength? That is our Savior, Jesus Christ. No one was more gentle than Jesus, and yet no one had more strength of character, strength of will, strength of resolve, and strength in physical makeup than Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, how did our gentle Savior handle the crucifixion? 1 Peter chapter 2, look at this. 1 Peter chapter, there we go. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he, was, when he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. That's our gentle Savior, but look at the strength. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed. No one has ever suffered to the physical, emotional, spiritual point that Jesus Christ did. The physical strength, the spiritual strength that was involved in that. And yet no one as gentle as our Savior. Matthew chapter 11. I love how Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. 
for I am gentle. That's Matthew chapter 11 at the very end of the chapter. And then did you know that the very next passage, the Pharisees get on to Jesus because his disciples are picking grain out of a wheat field. And Jesus directly confronts the Pharisees. As a matter of fact, he says to them, if you had known this, you would not have condemned the guiltless. Friends, I want you to know that when we talk about Jesus being gentle and yet Jesus being full of strength, gentle does not mean that Jesus had no convictions about anything. When the Pharisees would get on to him about something, did Jesus ever say, well, yeah, you guys are right. We'll just do what you want to do. I just want everyone to be happy. Is that what we mean by a gentle response? No. What do we mean by Jesus in the way that he was gentle? He had convictions. He had meaning. He had purpose. But his goal was always to reconcile. His goal was always to restore. His goal was to bring the Pharisees and all sinners to him. That was the goal. And whenever we write, whenever we speak, our goal has got to be bringing people to Jesus Christ. Because the gentle answer is the strongest response. Folks, we see this in life. My, my, my wife and I have friends in Seminole that own horses. Walked up one time to one of the horses, and I said, my soul, that is a huge horse. And my buddy said, yeah, but it's very gentle. Oh, so that means it, it couldn't hold up a rider. It means it's weak. It has no muscles. That's not what it means. He didn't say it's weak. He said it's gentle. Clydesdale horses are some of the largest horses in the world, and yet did you know that they go by the nickname Gentle Giant? Folks, we see this. Uh, these boys are going to be playing baseball today. Football, a football receiver in college or in pros, you see a football receiver make this unbelievable catch. You know what the commentator will say? Boy, that guy has soft hands. Oh, so that means he has no muscles. He's completely weak. No, it means exactly the opposite. It means that he's got so much muscle control, so much muscle tone that he has soft hands. Folks, gentleness and strength go together. And we know that. We know that that's the economy in which God operates. We know that that is what reality is. And yet, the way that we live our lives shows that we don't believe it. And so we go home. We walk in the door. And my spouse is mad at me. And I say, okay, you want to be mad? Let's get mad. You think you can be madder than me? Oh, no, 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 honey. No one can be madder than me. If you want to get mad, let's get mad. And that's how we live life, thinking that somehow we're going to tone down a situation. Parents, do our children ever get mad about stuff? Yes. Okay, so what are we going to do? Well, you think you can get mad? Just watch out. You want to fight? Let's bring it on. A gentle answer is the strongest response. The bishop the Catholic bishop of Geneva hundreds of years ago. His name was Francois de Soleil. And his, one of his famous quotes is, nothing is so strong as gentleness, nothing so gentle 
as real strength. That is our Savior. We know that that is reality. Folks, right now, our mayor is having to face some extremely difficult conditions, circumstances, and and decisions. I do not envy his position or any mayor around, around the nation right now. And we need to pray for all of our leaders, pray for our mayor. I know that in their heart, they desire to do what is right. We need to pray for them. So I want you to picture for a moment that the mayor is getting ready to walk into a room full of angry people. I know this is a stretch of your imagination, but just imagine it for a moment. The mayor is getting ready to walk into a room full of angry people who are taking issue with him. And so outside the room, the mayor's advisors say, okay, here's what we think you ought to do. We're going to get you as stirred up and as mad as you possibly can be before you walk in there. And then you walk in and you have a lit cigarette in your mouth and you're so mad, your hands are shaking and you take one last draw off that cigarette and then you put it out on your neck and then you flick that cigarette at the crowd and you say, you want to get mad? Let's get mad. You want to fight? Come on, let's. And then we'll stay back here and we'll let you know how that turns out. No one in their right mind would tell someone to walk into a room of angry people and try to out-angry them. So why do we do it at home? Whenever there's anger, folks, our goal has got to be reconciliation and restoring. When Jesus was gentle yet strong, it didn't mean that he lacked conviction. But instead, his goal was always to restore. Here's the third thing I see in that. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger, which means that a gentle answer protects the other person and it protects you. A gentle response turns away wrath, but a harsh word, and in the Hebrew it is singular, a harsh word, one little thing, can light it up. All right, in the Hebrew, the word that we translate wrath there can also be translated poison or venom. And so when you're confronting this individual, when you're getting ready to talk with this individual who is madder than blue blazes, you've got to picture in your mind a bucket full of poison or venom right there in front of you. And the last thing I want to do is stir it up because it's going to splash on them and it's going to splash on me. My folks, when I was 14 years old, they built a a swimming pool. And so my job came to where I I took this little doohickey and I would put a little water in it. And then you're testing the water to make sure the chlorine and the the pH and all that's right. And, And every once in a while you had to add acid into the pool. Well, my dad cautioned me over and over again, son, when you carry that acid, you have, you do not want to get that on your skin. And so pour some in. And I mean, you're walking as gently, I'm staring at it, keeping my eyes on it, as gently as possible carrying this acid. The Bible says a gentle answer turns away the poison. 
Look at chapter 14 with me. Just a few verses prior to that. Listen to what verse 31 or verse 30 says. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Look at chapter 15, verse 4. A gentle tongue is a tree of life. Folks, we're to be about healing, restoring, repairing. A gentle answer protects not only the other person, but it protects me. And then here's the last thing. I think it is one of the most beautiful things about this passage. Did you notice in chapter 15, the first four verses, three of the verses deal with the tongue. And then there's one verse right smack dab in the middle of it. It's verse three. And it says, the eyes of the Lord are watching. Right in the middle of talking about our communication, the way we speak, the way we talk, right in the middle of it, it says the eyes of the Lord are watching. Folks, there are times, and please know I'm going to get so, I'm going to be really honest with it. There are times when I read stuff that we write And I think, do we not know that God sees that? Folks, forget me. Say, well, I hope the preacher doesn't see what I wrote. Folks, I'm of no consequence. I'm not going to judge your life. Someday you won't stand before me and give an account of every word that you've spoken or written, but you will stand before God and give an account. Do we not know God sees this? Do we not know that what I'm writing there, what I'm sending in a text, what I'm writing in an email, what I'm posting to Facebook, wherever it is, do we not know that that represents all Christians? And if you're thinking, oh no, that's just me. Everyone knows that's just my opinion. Did you not know that a lost world looks at it and says, I thought that guy was a Christian. It reflects on all of us. Well, yeah, they go to church. Oh, where do they go to church? Southern Hills. Oh. It reflects on all of us. God is watching. Friends, I've got to make sure that what I'm writing, it's not that it's supposed to lack conviction. It's not supposed to lack meaning. It's not that we're supposed to say to the world, yeah, whatever you guys say, I'll be fine with. I'm I'm happy with whatever. That's not it. But that the goal is that this draws people to Jesus Christ. The goal is peace. The goal is restoring. The goal is reconciliation because that's the reality in which we live. Please, please talk. Communicate in a way that speaks of Jesus Christ. He's watching our Heavenly Father. Lord, I pray that right now the conviction of the Holy Spirit, Lord, you are convicting me in my heart. Lord, I pray that there would be a guard over my mouth, a guard over my fingers when I'm typing. Lord, that I would desire with all my heart to be a minister of reconciliation. 
Lord, may your will right now be done in every heart. I pray that people would respond to you. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray.